Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the ages of all ages, Amen. Today's Gospel is a representation of what the Kingdom of God is all about. About what is expected in heaven. Because the Lord looks at things differently than how we look at them. Simply. Even one of the fathers says, uh, the, the love of God or the gospel or the message of the gospel is so incredible that it stands to be even doubted because it's so amazing. It's so wonderful. It doesn't make sense. What does it mean that God would love sinners? That God accepts the sinner? The Lord looks at things so differently than we do. It says that after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector. I mean, when we read that, we think to ourselves, what does this mean that he saw a tax collector? How many times did people cross by the tax office of this man named Levi? Over and over and again, seeing this tax collector. We know that tax collectors were considered the public enemy number one, basically, in society. They were considered traitors because they basically betrayed their people by taking taxes and overtaking taxes. Um, that they were basically allied with the Romans against the Jews. Tax collectors were nobody's favorite group of people. So people pass by this tax, tax office, these tax collectors, every single day, over and over and again. So they see the same thing Jesus sees, or supposedly. But then we see what the Lord sees. He says, he saw a tax collector named Levi. So the Lord seeing this tax collector named Levi is beyond what, human beings usually see we look at a person and within seconds we have basically you know made a judgment call or a decision or a particular interpretation of who they are what they are what they do what they think what are they believing in what they don't believe in uh, look at how she's dressed how they're dressed how he's dressed what they're doing when they came when they went but that's of course the only the outside facade that doesn't mean much in the kingdom of God Right? Even when Samuel went to, be, to pick a, a king and the Lord sent him to Jesse, he sent the, they all looked for the, the typical, you know, big-sized men to be kings. All the brothers passed one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. And the Lord said, no, it's none of these guys. There's, there's got to be somebody else. And it turns out it was David outside tending to the sheep. Nobody noticed him. It says, the Lord looks at the heart. Humanity looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord is always looking at the heart. So while people saw a horrible, quote-unquote, tax collector, Jesus saw Matthew, the apostle. While people see enemy of the Jews, the Lord sees an evangelist. While people see uh, a horrible thief, the Lord sees the gospel writer. While people see a person that has basically lived only for themselves, they see a martyr. The Lord sees a martyr. And that's what St. Matthew is, right? He's, he becomes an apostle, becomes an evangelist, preacher, a martyr. So the Lord is asking us, and he's telling us, do you see what I see? 
Because if we continue the reading of the gospel, basically Levi was so excited, those who should have accepted that would apparently look like they would have been the ones accepting Jesus and following him wholeheartedly from their outward appearance didn't. And those who seemed to be the least likely possible to be the ones who would follow did. And that's basically, again, that's why I was saying earlier, it's basically this gospel passage is a reflection of what the kingdom of heaven will be like. In the book of Revelation, it says there will be people of every nation, tribe, color, and tongue. How? We don't know. Who and where and what? We don't know. All we know is we have been given this gospel. And we know that the word gospel means good news. It's the good news that you're a sinner. Congratulations. So am I. So is the rest of the planet. But we have a God who wonderfully loves sinners. Who loves sinners. And he loves particularly those who say, I acknowledge my sin. I'm in need of a Savior. That's why when Levi or Matthew later on invites all his tax collector friends over, it says there were a great number of tax collectors. Could you imagine like one tax collector was a horrible sight to anyone in, in Israel at the time. Now you had a room filled with them. Could you imagine a room filled with people that nobody likes? And he sat down with them. This is the kingdom of God. This is Jesus saying, I have come for this and for these. Then you go on and say, they, the Pharisees complained. And they complained against his disciples. And why? Do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The answer is simple because our Lord is the friend of tax collectors and sinners. He's the friend of the prostitute. He's the friend of the drug addict. He's the friend of the person who has completely lost their way. He's constantly there waiting and telling them, I'm here. I'm here. I've never left you. I'm always there. It's that constant invitation to every single one of us saying, Lord, thank you. That's, that's the only thing we can say. Thank you for your love. Grant us, Lord, to walk in this love, to walk in this truth. So the Lord answered them. He, the disciples couldn't answer, right? It says, why do you eat with, and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The disciples couldn't answer. Because they themselves were still beginning to understand what was going on. They themselves were surprised. Why is it all of a sudden like, okay, we, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, okay, the fishermen, you know, they understood that it's, it's a group of fishermen that he's collecting, people that are simple folk fishing at the lake and stuff. But all of a sudden, this tax collector, even, even the, the rest of the, the fishermen didn't like the tax collector because the tax collector was taking from them from their profits. So even the disciples were shocked. Who is this guy that's all of a sudden one of us? This Levi guy. So nobody understood what was going on. So... The Lord answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So when basically the Pharisees or any one of us basically says, I'm fine, I don't need. I'm basically telling the Lord, I'm well, and that I'm also saying, I don't need you. When in reality, the Lord is not trying to ram it down our throats, telling you need me, you need me, you need me. That's not what the Lord does with us. The Lord is telling us, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me. Let me heal you. Say, well, some people are, are not the other spectrum of things. They say, well, I am so horrible. I've done so many horrible things that I can't. I can't go to church. I can't enter the church. People look at me. I can't go to God. He will deny me. This is the furthest myth from the truth. 
people again might look at people with crooked eyes or judgmental eyes. But every time a person falls into that trap, they are basically gearing themselves away, distancing themselves away from who Jesus is and what he represents. The scholar Origen says in souls, there is no illness caused by evil that is impossible to cure for God the Logos. There's no such thing as this person, is he or she is beyond the point of no return. That is not true. There is constant opportunity and hope. Constant. The, the opportunities literally are endless with the God of the impossible. I know, and I'm sure you do, many people, including myself, who would you think there is no way this person could, could be accepted by the Lord. And yet the Lord says, yes, I accept you. This is the constant reminder that says, stop listening to the wrong voices. Stop listening to the wrong beat. Start tuning your ear to another beat, to another drum, telling you, don't worry about this. Come. Come. Come to me. He says, come and be healed of your affliction. St. Shenouda, the Archmandrite, says, how great is God's love for us. How great is his fatherhood. For he granted us the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we too may use it to banish evil and all the powers of darkness. The cross is not just something we tattoo on ourselves or hold in our hands or do the sign of. The cross is the reality, is the truth. That yes, we were in need of a physician and the physician came and treated us for free. So, so what, what's the catch? Some people, what's the catch? Do I have to pay something? No. Do I have to, uh, do I have to change my ways? Well, yeah, here's where the catch starts coming. But what do you mean change my ways? Like what do I have to do? This is why at the end of today's gospel, it says, the Lord says, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't match the old, right? If I take a brand new cloth and start to stitch it on a, an old ripped cloth, it doesn't match. You can see the colors are different. It's, it doesn't look the same, and it'll tear off next time you wash it. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. The wineskins have already stretched from the original wine that was in them. So come add new wine in it, it's going to burst. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new for he says the old is better. There is that resistance at first. First is that amazement. God can't accept me. They said, well, yes, I can. Then once he starts accepting me, there's that resistance that says... Yeah, but what about, you know, I, I, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss that. This lifestyle, this habit, this tradition, this addiction, this whatever. There's that resistance. There's that still, I'm still into the old wine. So there's that resistance. But the, 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 the story doesn't end at the resistance. God is still waiting and gradually drawing the sinner to himself. Leading us from the old wine into the new wine of freedom, the new wine of not being drunk with sin or darkness or despair or revelries of any sort, but drunk with something different. All of a sudden, I, my, my mind cannot, can no longer focus on this. This is, this is not worth it anymore. I was speaking to a person yesterday. I was beyond amazed. I was admiring what they were saying to me. They, they, they basically got to a turning point in their life. They, they, they met a difficult situation in their life. 
And they were telling me about it in detail. And I was sitting there listening, and I was like, wow, this is what an honor and a privilege to listen to this person's story. And then they said something beyond all of that. They said to me, I'm at a point where everything on earth seems not as attractive anymore, not as delicious, as tasty. There's something like as if my appetite has grown to something different. And this is, again, this is the, the work of the Holy Spirit, drawing us from old wine to new wine. A totally different concept, a totally different understanding. So the Lord Jesus is saying, I want you to begin to pray and look at things the way I look at them. I want you to begin to seeing the person there next to you the way I look at them. Like when you walk by, let's say it could, you could be on the street walking by and you just saw, I don't know, any sight, any type of person. And immediately from whatever you have been taught or learned and, you know, used to over the years, you right away make a judgment call. That means this. This means that. She is that. He is this. The Lord is saying, hold on a second. I want you to look at it differently. Because like we said, while people saw a horrible tax collector, the Lord sees one of his 12 apostles, one of his evangelists, one of his martyrs sitting at his right-hand side. The Lord is, is the same. That doesn't mean everyone will accept. Some people won't accept. But that doesn't mean that the potential and what God is seeing in them is not there. It's still there. Of course, there's that will and that freedom to choose. But the potential and what the Lord is seeing, like every one of us is looked at like that. The eyes of the Lord are upon us with that love. He sees us where he intended to have us from the beginning of time. He sees us sitting where he had prepared for us from before the foundation of the world. This is what he sees. There are those who respond to that and grow in that from glory to glory, from grace to grace. And there are those who refuse. And that again... You can probably imagine that's probably one of the greatest pains and heartaches of the heart of God because the freedom of choice that everyone has, that will that everyone has, is sometimes taken for the wrong things or used in the wrong way. The Lord is asking us, look and pray. Every time you see something, look at it differently. Take a look at it in a different angle. There's a very beautiful story with St. Macarius the Great. He was once walking with his disciples in the wilderness. And they walked by a dead jackal or a hyena. You can imagine over days what that starts to look like, right? The decomposition, the smell, the, the maggots, the flies, all that stuff. That's what they saw when they walked by. So the disciples were like, Oof, smells bad, looks bad, that's horrible. What a horrible thing. Let's go this way. St. Macarius says, but wait a minute. Look at how white its teeth were. How white are his teeth? Really, that's what you notice? Like, you're, you're putting aside the maggots and the flies and the decomposition of flesh and the odor, but you're focusing on the whiteness of the teeth. He says, yes. Look for the good. There's something there. We don't know, but instead of we always tend to judge in one way, the Lord is saying, well, that's the easy way to judge. Leave the judgment to me. You just preach the kingdom. Do what I'm telling you. Don't worry about the judgments. You don't know that person who looks like, seems like, completely off track. You don't know what I'm doing with them. You don't know who just spoke to them 10 minutes before you saw them. 
and something is brewing inside their heart. You have no idea. So since I don't have an idea, let the Lord be the judge because he's the only one who's good at it. He's the only one who is good at being judged because he's not only good at it, he's the righteous judge and capable. So let's say, I don't know. All I know is the Lord loves this soul, just as he loves me. He has loved me in my sin. He loves them in their sin. And he's able to bring them as he's bringing me. And this is the call of the Christian, to, to seek and to love in this manner. So I leave you with that thought. I ask you to pray about it with me and say, Lord, help us and grant us to have that eye that you have, that love, that merciful eye, that, that eye of empathy, that eye of compassion, that eye of prayer, that eye of hope, that eye of faith. That doesn't mean being naive. It doesn't mean being simplistic. It means leave the judgment up to him who is able to judge righteously and you preach the kingdom. And let the Lord do the rest. He is the one who touches the hearts. You can say the word that could reach the ear, but only the Lord can take it and bring it down into the heart and bear fruit unto eternity. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.